0: lights camera action hello and welcome to another edition of movie madness in association with spitballing pod Omnic Byron joined us always by Keenan Bonner, and the matchup we'll be getting into today is 1954's On the Waterfront versus 1999's Fight Club. Keenan, uh, we had to do without you last week. How are you doing this week?
1: About the same as I was last week.
0: Well, we didn't get to hear from you last week, so uh, we don't know how that was. We'd have to assume. No good. And you know what assuming does?
1: Yeah. No, no good is the succinct answer.
0: Damn shame. Hopefully, this podcast and uh, my dulcet tones can perk you up somewhat. Um, I doubt it. Oh, no idea. News of the Uh, week this week to kick us off. Uh, Not the most exciting week, but we do have some headlines to get into. So, JJ Abrams is producing a Hot Wheels live-action film. I feel like... (laughs) <laughs> unless, a waste of time. Yeah, unless i've missed something has hot wheels ever had characters or is it literally cars like i don't know what storyline you get from hot wheels
1: i don't know i also <laughs> don't know if the cars have got names
0: not as far because i'm pretty sure they were just like standard cars and you just put some flames on the side of them like they tried doing a need for speed film and it was like well we never had characters for need for speed so it was just cars you're yeah. just doing Fast and Furious without Vin Diesel.
1: Yeah, it was uh, the guy from Breaking Bad, wasn't it, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Maybe
0: in his first role after Breaking Bad, to be honest. That's what Aaron Paul. Um, yeah, and you know what we say about getting that first role right in, so many people just seem to do the exact opposite.
1: You take the money, though, don't you?
0: You do, but sometimes you got to do a bit better planning than that, because I'm sure the money wasn't going to be too short wherever it, wherever he looked.
1: Uh, Yeah, but this was, I mean, in his particular case, that was a chance for him to start, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Uh, The Batman 2 has been confirmed by Warner Brothers with the whole team returning. You're still yet to see Batman 1, is that correct?
1: Yeah, no, I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it.
0: Damn shames.
1: They're very, very good things. Yeah,
0: something you definitely have seen. So a John Wick Chapter 4 poster was spotted at CinemaCon this week yes so that is definitely happening That's um actually- the equalizer 3 starring denzel washington is now set for a fall 2023 release also good news yep
1: Fairly enjoyed both of them
0: yeah so i think i messaged you and you may not have replied actually the other week where i finally watched the denzel interview where we got there i'm leaving here with something <laughs> and i kind of just went through uh they suggested and I was just watching a load of Denzel interviews and I happened to watch one I saw Denzel Washington meets Ian Wright and I was like, okay yeah sign me up and it was something they did for Capital right around the release of the first Equalizer film now it was good just to see those two people conversing as it was Denzel looked like he genuinely was enjoying the interview more than others where you can definitely tell when he isn't
1: and at the end I think of, he the, knows who Ian Wright is. He does, he, no chance. He knows who Ian Wright is,
0: right? Um, I don't know. I'm guessing they had some kind of introduction off camera because he was kind of speaking to him, and I believe he makes reference to being an athlete at some point. Mm. But he definitely doesn't know him as Arsenal legend, etc., etc. Yeah. But perhaps the most spinny thing of the whole interview is he mentioned Ian Wright asking me if he's a boxing fan at the end of it. I can't remember how they get there. And Antoine Fuqua's in the interview as well. And he says, oh, it's funny you mentioned boxing. Um, I've just sent a text while I'm over here. I'm hoping to link up with my man, Kel Brooks. Already a weird crossover. Mm. And Denzel has to inform Antoine Fuqua during the interview that Kel Brook has been stabbed on holiday the night before. And they just have this really weird moment where Antoine's like, oh, okay, I guess that's why he's not answering my text messages. And then Denzel ends the interview trying to set up Kelbrook against Floyd if you wanted a little microcosm of time to try and see where we are there.
1: That's got to be a while ago, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's literally it's right after Kelbrooks Brook's won his world title because he then almost immediately goes on holiday stabbed and stabbed in the leg. In, the leg mm. in Tenerife. But all that to say, Denzel is back as the equaliser. After two decades of speculation, the sequel to Gladiator is finally moving forward with director Ridley Scott. He's revealed that a script is complete and it will be his next production. Um, He's working on Napoleon at the moment um, with Joaquin Phoenix, I believe. The script for Gladiator has been written by Peter Craig, who wrote the Batman with Matt Reeves, so.
1: I think that's such a terrible idea. Well, I'm
0: trying to think who it were. There's someone, and it's going to annoy me now that I'm going to have to look it up. Mm. Effectively, like Russell Crowe years ago, asked someone who's also a British musician to do their own version of a Gladiator script. Mm. And I'm trying to see who it was.
1: No, I don't know. Nah, Some things just should be left alone.
0: Well, if I can find who it was that did this other script, it sounded like even worse. And he had to say, like, cheers for your time. But yeah, no thanks. If I can't see it this second, then I'll have to ditch it. Nick Cave, it was. Hmm. So somehow him and Russell Crowe are mates.
1: Nick Cave's Australian, eh?
0: Right? I don't know, to be honest with you. But that in would bear, me, perhaps explain team. why they're mates. And maybe I've done him dirty saying British musician. No, I might be wrong.
1: I could well be wrong. I always thought I thought he was Australian. He um, yeah. sings oh. this uh, Red Right Hand.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. He's a
1: author. Yeah,
0: thank you. Basically, uh, Russell Crowe said to him, look, you got a bit of spare time on your hands. Um, I know you like script writing. Why don't you write the script for Gladiator 2? Uh, he goes away and he came back and rather than go the path which we're assuming they're going down where it's like his nephew instead Nick Cave wrote a script where Maximus is in the afterlife battling against the gods of the underworld and it's a sci-fi film
1: Did you know
0: what um, Nick Cave wrote the screenplay for? I saw this when I saw this Is it Hell or High Water? no go on
1: uh he wrote the screenplay for lawless
0: ah okay i knew it was one we'd done on here um and that's actually the same week wasn't it so that's that maybe explains it yeah um not bad though
1: no just the, uh, the proposition i don't know what that is. It's
0: uh, didn't, film. didn't get it right with uh <laughs> gladiator 2
1: no, no no Wow, i didn't know that that's crazy
0: there we go um one of the things that i do like when i never know exactly where it is that you do the podcast from is at this time of year we we do get just nice scenic birds chirping in the background of your audio which is quite nice
1: yeah i can't do anything to stop that
0: unfortunately no i i, I don't i mean it genuinely is i'm not uh doing a almost oh, yeah. as if i'm nudging you to shut up with that no i, I do genuinely quite like it
1: I was waiting for you. Uh, for, normally used to your passive aggressiveness. So
0: no, no, no. Genuinely, well, I think I've said said to you about it before. It's uh, it's not overbearing. It's just quite nice to have in the background, <laughs> bit of scenery for us how much can you know about yourself you've never been in a fight he was tired of his job you want me to prioritize my report yeah sick of his stuff the things you own end up owning you looking for something new
1: first rule of fight club is do not talk
0: about fight club but he wasn't ready for what he found from the director of seven brad pitt edward norton little by little just letting yourself become all the ways you like to be this
1: is too much what did you expect
0: fight club rated r friday only in theaters an insomniac office worker and a devil-may-care soap maker form an underground fight club that evolves into much more. Um, you may need to turn me down slightly unless you're struggling to hear me because I'm getting a bit of echo. Uh,
1: I can turn you down.
0: Um, what do you think the critics think of this? Loved it. Okay, so... A savagely funny film that shocks, provokes, and sucker punches the viewer. You either love it or hate it. As as a side note, I think that's such a cop-out as a movie critic saying that you either love it or hate it. Because it's like, commit to an answer here. You telling me you either love it or hate it, as someone reading that, if I'm trying to gauge an opinion on the film, that literally tells me nothing.
1: No, it doesn't. No, you're right
0: so it's, it's so irritating to read um cult films are seldom great films they just connect with a corner of the audience more intensely than was intended elevating their status that's fight club and appealing to the wrong sort of cult just makes that clearer the film's tongue is far too firmly in its cheek at all points of its discourse uh, to ever take its character's actions too much at face value Over for the time when men were men and were encouraged to beat the tar out of one another. That's the world Fight Club pines for. (laughs) Uh, Blistering, hallucinatory, often brilliant. The film by David Fincher is a combination punch of social satire and sociopathology. And finally, Fight Club is a cinematic Hail Mary pass from David Fincher that the audience desperately wants to catch. What do you think?
1: I mean, it's a good Thing? Well, the hail mary thing has confused me because you throw that in desperation.
0: Yeah, so I I did actually see this review and I I took it down. So this was separate to where I usually get the reviews from. And the argument they were trying to make is that the message that David Fincher wants us to take from uh, the film most audience members are happy to acknowledge but that's not what we prefer from the film so it kind of goes against the message mm. if that if i've explained that in any way at all that makes sense
1: yeah there's definitely a but it's just an anti-capitalism thing for it and then no one really get most people don't give a shit about that
0: no and he he they're trying to say like look the fighting in that side of things is supposed to be a real ugliness to it and it's more of a metaphor for what finch is trying to say and Mm -hmm. part of the reason it's gained such a cult status uh, with a portion of people is that they like the idea that these things should be going ahead like there was all sorts of stories of actual underground fight clubs popping up after this film and it's like the director and author are just kind of like turning in their seats like this this is not what the message I was putting out. I don't know how you've taken that from this, but people take. I guess, as with all art, people take from it what you want to see from it. So, can they really complain? No, that's fair. Um, so the author, and hopefully I don't butcher his name, uh, Chuck Palahniuk. He's actually stated that he thought the film was an improvement on the book. And that, that's something very rare that we see I don't think I've ever seen that before
1: I respect that if he oh, I like that I've never read the books so no comment
0: but oh yeah no, quite, but quite cool
1: I though like, yeah, yeah I do like that. I've got a lot of
0: time for that as far as I could see as well like they offered to kind of have him involved and he was I've got absolutely no interest in doing that like I, I want to see it made into a film but I've got no interest in being a part of that process
1: hmm that's also interesting
0: well we had it um i go back to it was jurassic park wasn't it where the guy was literally like selling the rights before he even finished writing the book yeah and he was just kind of thought wanted to be almost like a hit factory and he was like get this one out and we'll just be on to the next one whereas this feels much more like he genuinely just enjoys the writing process we've done it
1: on the pod but um someone happened to send me a talk that uh, from Frank Abagnale, uh, Abagnale Jr. did. Um, someone sent it to me today, actually. So I watched it whilst I was on my lunch at work. It said like half hour long. Really, really good. Really interesting. Um, but he was saying like he had no involvement in any of it. Like the, uh, yeah. the film, the musical, the TV show, he was like, Never met any of them, I've never spoken to any any of them, so it was he was interesting, but um, he was saying he had no involvement in it as well. And I thought that was, I thought it was just quite, it's quite, I don't know, it's just quite that
0: strange. must be a weirder one because that, like, obviously, yeah, we're led to believe large portions weren't actually kind of correct, but yeah, for you to sit down and be like, okay, how what have they done with my life, and it's weird because there's this show that's just come out at the moment about the Lakers. and Yeah, and effectively, like, everyone involved is coming out to the press, like, this is nonsense, I don't like the way I'm being portrayed. And the general response to that is almost like laughing, like, yeah, of course you don't, I'm sure you don't. And whether it's true or not, it must be a weird thing to, one, see that, and two, if there are any objections you do have, we almost just immediately don't believe that you're saying it's just like okay, you don't want us to see the worst things that you've done when really they may genuinely not be accurate.
1: Yeah, no, I mean unfortunately, but have just
0: got to suck it up.
1: It's pretty much too late, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, much like all these things, if the lie is a more interesting story, then we'll absolutely go with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course it is, and in most case, in most cases it is, mate. Like artistic license is artistic license, isn't it? Yeah. Like and something that's something that's something what they something say something
0: effectively yeah. and because of the uh, kind of deals that HBO etc already have with the NBA where they do the documentaries and things they included like some of the logos and effectively did a I dare you I I, I dare you to come for me here because you've got as much to lose as I have mm. and so the NBA just don't even want to touch it they're like look settle this between yourselves we we want nothing we want no parts of this. So all the people involved are just screwed.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean it is what it is. But yeah, I thought he was really interested listening to him. He was like I mean it was odd listening to like, a Frank uh yes. uh Yeah. because he was saying he was like he did he, he didn't moan. He corrects a couple of bits um about like his dad and stuff. He's he says like when he ran away he never saw his dad again. His dad died yeah. whilst he was in jail and stuff. We did it on the we sort of did it on the pod and and so on. So he was interested in listening to him correct certain bits. But then he was saying um, the reason he never got involved and just, he makes no money out of it is part of his original agreement with uh, the FBI. Okay. he sorry, sorry, because he was working up to him. The talk's quite old, man, six, seven, eight years old. Um, and he was saying he still was working from at that point, but he was only due to work for him for eleven years, and basically he met his missus whilst working for him. Um, and he was saying the reason I never did anything he was just like everyone talks about me being rehabilitated and being a new man and stuff, he's like, I'm not. He was like he was just like he was just saying, I met my wife and I knew it was would be I'm paraphrasing but he's like, I knew it wouldn't last if I was gonna be the be the man I was so he sort of like, just packed it in. Yeah.
0: And I think from memory he kind of acknowledged yeah, fair some things wouldn't make for great films so i can understand why they changed it yeah so fair play um i kind of broken things up again if we start with the casting here because obviously a massive thing is the fact that you do have brad pitt in this and we'll speak about the marketing later because there's quite a lot of interesting things on that but he wasn't that interested in making the film until david fincher arrived on his doorstep so to speak uh during the making of meet joe black mm. Uh, he insisted they go out for a drink and it was over that drink supposedly that Fincher continued to pitch Fight Club to him and just forced Brad Pitt to read the screenplay which he'd rejected without doing so previously. Um, I think some of the early messages after excuse me, screening, screenings and things of Meet Joe Black was yeah this isn't going to go down well and after working together on Seven Jumping straight back in with Fincher to go and do Fight Club probably wasn't the worst career move of all, and uh, obviously goes on to be one of his most famous roles.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've never seen job Joe Black. No. I don't know if it's good, bad, indifferent.
0: There are some clips from that which, without context, are absolutely hilarious.
1: Okay, I don't even. know. Have you
0: I seen the? Me, no. It's the um where Brad Pitt's doing a Jamaican accent. Have you seen that clip? No. Okay, that's from this. I'll send you it immediately after. <laughs> you need to see it. Um, so the producer, Ross Grayson Bell, initially wanted Russell Crowe to play Tyler Durden, but was overruled by fellow producer Art Linson, who felt that Brad Pitt was the better choice. Um, Bell has since said that he's glad Linson stepped in, as he doesn't think anyone would have been able to be as good as Brad Pitt turned out to be. Yeah, that's fair. Russell Crowe, can, no, can you I see can't. Russell Crowe kind of playing it as cool as Brad Pitt does?
1: No, it'd be a lot more energy, wouldn't
0: it? it I feel like Brad Pitt, um, Russell Crowe doing that and in turn would kind of act as almost a spoiler before the, before the twist. He would be far more like an actual kind of devil on the shoulder, that kind of cliche that you get in films. Like, I don't think he'd play it as smooth.
1: No, it's fair. Uh, Yeah, that's a very good point. A little bit more erratic, maybe. I mean, he would have been. We spoke about already, but he must have been. He would have been in the mix of making Gladiator, right?
0: Yeah, Gladiator's two thousand. So you've got to think what a year. Probably, he's probably at least had it mentioned to him at this point.
1: Yeah, you you would think so.
0: And to be fair, I think very. I think everyone, everyone comes
1: out of this a winner, really, don't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not once, like you're looking at Russell Crowe made... It's not like Will Smith and Wild Wild West.
0: <laughs> no, and I, once that script's in front of you for Gladiator, I can't imagine anything sounds as cool as no. what that must have looked like.
1: No, no, I I think you're probably right, mate. That's why I think it's such a terrible idea to make a number, two.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Ridley, Scott, I think. Um, whether it's the money or whether he genuinely does think he can improve upon it, I'm not so sure. Once Maybe he does...
1: If he, if he, like the only thing to say is if, if he does legitimately think that he, he can, they can make a good go of it, it might be, it might be alright.
0: No, if, if it's taken twenty two years for you to find a script, it clearly wasn't that much of a passion project. And if twenty years later he was still saying they don't know what direction they'd go in, obviously you don't have a clear vision.
1: No. So uh, maybe I struggle to see maybe, it, but maybe, we'll all watch it. given him. Any maybe. Job, rather than this is. What I wanted the the outline and then you fill it in for me. Maybe you needed a jump point to, to see how he wanted wants it to work.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, another casting what if? So Courtney Love and Winona Ryder were both initially considered for the role of Marla Singer. In the end, it came down to two actresses, Helena Bonham. Is it? Do you pronounce it Bowen Bowen Carter or Bonham Carter? I always butcher it. Always,
1: always said Bonham.
0: Okay, yeah. so. Helena Bonham Carter, and the other was Reese Witherspoon.
1: They made the right choice.
0: So, well, David Fincher wanted Bonham Carter, but the studio wanted a bigger name and actually chose to go with Reese Witherspoon. In the end, the decision was actually taken out of their hands when Reese Witherspoon turned it down after being the first choice. Uh, She felt it was too dark, didn't go well with her brand at the time. And so second choice, Bonham Carter was cast
1: you can't go from doing fucking legally blonde to this
0: yeah, yeah it, it's weird to think of her doing this but then i guess she does uh american psycho a few years later which the tone of that is obviously dark but she would almost be playing the dark role yeah american in this. psycho she's not doing that in american psycho is she she's yeah, almost it is like a dark a sweetheart.
1: film but she isn't yet yeah, you bang on like
0: she's got that little pet pig <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know who i don't like i I don't know very little about Helen Lavon and Kyle, and I don't know if she was already Tim Burton's wife and everything that you associate with the pair of them already, or this film and then turned her on to it or what a crack was. But if you were looking at someone to be Marla Singer,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, legitimately, you just couldn't, you couldn't pick a better person.
0: No, um, twenty million was the budget that went between Brad Pitt and Edward Norton for this. Ah. Uh, do you know what the split was? 12.8 pit.
1: 17.5 2.5 but well, no one got two and a half yep fuck oh, that must annoy him no, no sh- points
0: no I'm sure it does but it's one of them where it's like c- can we feel that bad for someone when they've got two and a half mil
1: I mean yeah you make a very good point but
0: when the like, yeah. sat next to
1: you is on a 700 is on a 700 <laughs> yeah, percent increase yeah. we think, yeah. well, I don't know about this one
0: yeah, it's it's a weird one. Um,
1: I mean, he does do. He gets into. He gets. I mean, I think. I don't know if this is his next project or whatever. But he does go and do the Hannibal film. where I think he was paid. He he did okay. I think he did okay out of the Hulk as well, which does sort of three four. Yeah, years that's so,
0: that's 2008. Um, 2008.
1: He, yeah. What the Ed Norton one?
0: Unless I'm thinking of the Eric Banner one.
1: Um, I am fairly sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 2003.
0: Yeah. He oh, before doing this though he's he's off the back of Rounders and American History X.
1: Oh shit, of course he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. coming
0: into this because one of the things was Ooh, uh,
1: American History X, because that came out in '99 as well, right?
0: Yeah. He he obviously, and we did this at the time, refused to smoke in Rounders. Like he's mm. got his character who's playing poker for cigarettes, but he doesn't smoke. Um, comes to this, and I don't know if he's had a hard life <laughs> since then, but yeah, he, he he says he's more than happy to smoke for this project.
1: Maybe it's the fact that they are paying him two point five mil. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'd do an awful lot of things for two point five mil.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I won't ask.
1: Considering I, considering I paid two smoke, you can <laughs> <you better laughs> Yeah, it. yeah. I almost put a fag in my mouth. Yeah, no problem, mate.
0: Yeah. Um. I've got some more, and then I do have what kind of speak about the film as a whole. After in terms of making the movie, when the narrator. Hits Tyler Durden in the ear. Are we going to refer to him as Ed Norton the whole way through this narrator?
1: I'm probably going to call him Ed Norton, mate, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, I just wanted to be clear. Um, when he hits Tyler Durden in the ear, Ed Norton actually did punch him in the ear. He was originally going to fake hit him, and then before the scene, David Fincher pulled him to the side and said, You know, it'd be really good if you did actually just whack him in the ear. Um, and after he did hit him in the scene, you can actually see him smiling and laughing while Brad Pitt is in pain. Do you think he knew the salaries when he's agreeing to do that? When he's, he's sneakily punching? Go on, do it.
1: Does that get punched in the ear? Yeah.
0: It really just does. made me think of Drillbit Taylor. <clears throat> and I don't know if that's why they do it in Drillbit Taylor, but it's, it's quite bad that that's what I thought of when when it happened. Well,
1: you've got to do what you got to do.
0: Uh. Brad Pitt and Helena Bonham Carter spent three days recording orgasmic sounds for their lovemaking scenes, uh, the majority of which weren't even included.
1: I was going to say, it seems overkill, that.
0: what are, You say that. The amount of work that went into that scene, they had the two of them wearing um, motion picture uh, costumes to do their parts of that, and then they had the two body doubles there for filming more and they had the cameras that they use in the matrix for the slow motion shots where it's effectively just like a load of really small cameras just taking still photographs to almost look like slow motion Mm. and they did all that for that sex scene between them and the stunt double for uh her said that it was like the most intense filming they've ever had to do. She said Fincher is like directing them, telling them like act as though you're in water and all of this. And he's just basically just got them writhing around on top of each other for hours. And she said, after all that, she doesn't even get to meet Brad Pitt because he wasn't even around on the days when they were filming these.
1: Yeah, well, fair enough. I mean, I understand. Some of amount of work for three days. What,
0: for a pretty short scene. Yeah. like I they, they must have had more planned. Possibly, mate. Because I know uh, a lot of things, there's a lot of studio involvement in this. Um, and the line you get from uh, Helena Bonham Carter where she says something like, uh, I've not been fucked like that since grade school she didn't know what grade school was uh, and how young that was at the time of saying the line uh being british and the reason that line is in there was the original line was her saying i can't wait to have your abortion yeah i know the studio said that was too dark and then said, and fincher said okay well whatever i replace it with you can't go back and keep having me go back and forth and interfere in my script so went with that they then asked him to revert it back and he said no you've made your bed you've got to lie in it and stop trying to interfere after that
1: very petty but I, yeah i was gonna say like abortion yeah depends on your view dark not dark. be everyone's right around paedophilia yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, there's yeah. no there's no there's no opinion on on that
0: yeah maybe I have a word dark. with that studio exec uh, Durden was originally going to recite a workable recipe for homemade explosives um, which he does in the novel but in the interest of public safety the filmmakers decided to substitute fictional recipes for the real ones yeah obviously Pro- probably a good idea when this film goes as mental as it does afterwards
1: yeah obviously you're going to do that you can't yeah this is how you make a bomb <laughs>
0: um, to ensure that uh, Bob's breasts or uh, bitch tits I think they refer to ah. in the film Uh, And love handles hung correctly His fat suit was filled with bird seed So that that it would spill over his pants And give the impression of sagging flesh The suit plus the seed Weighed over 100 pounds
1: Do that in stone for me Uh,
0: Yeah, you might have to do that yourself
1: Seven stone too
0: Christ Have that on your chest And so that's the reason why despite laying out the rules when he has his fight scene, they obviously have him with his shirt on.
1: Yeah.
0: But, awesome. Blimey. Carrie, oh, that it feels like it would have been easier to just employ pyrophobic. someone fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if we could speak a bit about the twist and the ending in general. So something that I didn't know previously. There was an infamous incident um, the Friday that the film was released theatrically in the United States Rosie O'Donnell appeared on her TV show and revealed that she'd seen the film earlier in the week and had been unable to sleep ever since. She then proceeded to give away the plot twist ending of the film and urged all of her viewers to avoid seeing it at all costs. Ed Norton, Brad Pitt and Fincher on the DVD commentary say it was an unforgivable action, but there was nothing they could do about it. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with people? (laughs) I,
1: I, I, I didn't know that. Um,
0: well, I was going to ask you, because we've done a number of films previously where you almost knew the spoiler going in, and I didn't know if that was the case for Fight Club or not. It was. Jesus. You, I don't know who you hang around with that seemingly just spoils all films for oh, you.
1: Sometimes you know. like I thought everyone knew that this is like the sixth sense. I feel like everyone knows this.
0: So I, I get what you mean. For me, I kind of had heard somewhat, but didn't have it put together. And then when you do see the twist, it was like, oh, okay, I did know that, but I wasn't going through the film thinking this is what happens. Once it started, I did kind of forget and stop kind of speculating.
1: Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I knew exactly what it was, but um, the reveal was still fun. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: The scene in the, the, scene in the hotel was still fun. Like. The, well, even when I watched it for the first time, even knowing what was coming, the way it was revealed, I quite liked. So, but well, the strange thing about it was, because I remember, like you just said, maybe it's because I'd seen it before, but I clued it together. There were so many more scenes that make so much more sense when you know what's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: the first time I watched it, even though I knew what the twist was, I'm making some really fucking stupid here, yeah? but we move. Um, I still didn't put together a lot of what was going on.
0: Yeah, no, this is essentially what I mean as well. Like I had some understanding, but well, I knew they I were didn't... the same
1: person, but I didn't like the little bits, okay. like when he's asking the questions and they're laughing and stuff. I just thought they were laughing because ha uh, ha ha. You almost to...
0: kind of doubt what you know as well when it's when it's playing out for the first time. Like, do I remember that?
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, and like the Marla things where she's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" And so, first time I watched that, I was like, "Oh, just been a bit of a
0: dick." Yeah, I actually really enjoyed those scenes, watching those back, knowing kind of the context to them, because it it makes so much more sense for his character.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does, yeah.
0: Um, This film caused some controversy uh, early this year, actually, when it was released for the first time in China, and the ending had been altered. So rather than the original ending of the bombs going off, the new ending fades to black after the narrator shoots himself. Um, the plot is then concluded with kind of title cards, almost like you get at the end of like the business and yeah, yeah. Uh, football factory, etc. And the narrator, still referred to as Tyler, explains that the police thwarted Project Mayhem and he was sentenced to a mental institution until 2012. Now, ironically, this ending is actually not too far from the actual novel. Which closes with the narrator shoots himself with the intention of killing Durden. Mm-hmm. He blacks out and wakes up in a mental hospital, believing that he's now in heaven. Um, it's then revealed that the narrator's alter ego could yet return. There are hospital employees approaching him and explaining that they're members of Project Mayhem and they expect Tyler to come back. So that was kind of almost like a horror movie ending in the book. Hmm. Did not know that. No, nor did I, because I read the kind of... I mean, I understand why it's like a weird thing and you kind of... The way some of the media is, but some of the outrage I saw, it was like some people hadn't seen Fight Club before and their first viewing of it was going to be in a Chinese cinema. I thought, well, you know the ending here. Like, I don't know why you're as upset as you are. But there we go. If we could just talk about the marketing because we've spoken about some of these things previously and I've said about how much I enjoyed hearing about the Cloverfield marketing and the Blair Witch marketing. Um, After David Fincher finished editing this, the studio executives watched it and they didn't completely understand the film, which is an issue obviously, and they didn't really understand how they were going to market it due to obviously the themes of the film. It would be weird to go for a big complex marketing campaign when the whole thing is about not reacting to consumerism and this and that. Now Fincher wanted to hire some people himself. He was happy to even uh, put some money towards it and go with like a unique campaign that had never really been seen before, almost playing against the traditional marketing values. But because the studio was already terrified of the backlash against the film. Uh, They actually had to seek more finance during the film because one of the producers tried walking away and taking the studio with them. So I think they were just shit scared of losing their money. And that's why rather than build a campaign around the message and all of that, it's essentially Brad Pitt's in this film and he fights and so the, the movie poster that we'll all recognise with the soap and fights mm-hmm. carved into it, that wasn't the main release and that wasn't the main marketing campaign for it. That's just what we see now. It was no. a far more kind of traditional method that was used of, look, come come and see this film and you'll see Brad Pitt fighting in a basement. Mm. So everyone just saw that shot of him with his shirt off, like kind of posturing with some blood on him. And yeah it just ignored everything rather than even advertise it uh, in kind of general places the the main bulk of the campaign was spent on between rounds in the boxing and on early ufc programming which fincher hated because he said you're just bringing in the complete wrong audience for what the film is that i'm trying to put yeah. out there
1: of course yeah, they, Yeah, I mean, if you take stereo... Excuse me? Yeah. If you take a stereotypical fan of either of those things, he's probably right, but, again, I don't know. I think people think this film is more highbrow than it actually is.
0: Yeah, I was, I was reading some different people's opinions of it earlier, and I saw someone saying, like, the main reason people turn their nose up at this film is because the diehard fans of this have tried to make it something that it completely isn't it actually just turns other people off like some of the messages people are trying to insinuate there just aren't there just enjoy it for an interesting crime drama whatever you want to call it and it's an enjoyable two hours but i was going to ask you first of all how seriously do you think we're supposed to take this film?
1: I think it wants to be taken seriously
0: because but some that, would argue it's like a complete satire. Good. Some would call it a comedy. Like I don't understand what what you think for that.
1: I understand that point of view. It, like at certain points, it almost borders into fucking parody of, of, of self-parody. Um, in in sort of where it starts to where it finishes. Yeah. Because like I understand, it's an escalation point, of course, but it does almost turn. The message is the same between Fight Club and uh, and then Project Mayhem, but it does almost turn into self-parody. But I suppose, unfortunately, I suppose groups of that nature quite often do. They take themselves too seriously and they're yeah. just becoming a joke of a joke about their former selves. Um, but I do think it wants to be taken seriously but I don't know if I think that because it's David Fincher directing it. Do you, Who, you think or, you always think of as a? I hate, this, I hate this phrase, but we move. But a, a serious filmmaker, if you will.
0: Well, we're we're back on one of his films next week, so we'll be straight back to uh, Brad Pitt and Fincher again. Are um, we doing Seven next week? Or? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Never seen Seven, you know. Oh, and you do know the end of that, I'm pretty sure. But
1: I do know the end. Of that. <laughs> again, come on, like that fucking yeah. scene. That this scene has been ripped off fucking thirty thousand times.
0: Yeah. Um, with this, we've spoken about kind of splitting films before. Could it be said that the first half of the film is almost, as you said, kind of self-mocking, and then we're supposed to take the second half more seriously? Would it be no, as plain and simple as splitting I,
1: I, I have it the other way around.
0: So you think we're supposed to take the first half seriously, the second half almost mockingly?
1: As it escalates and it becomes wilder and weirder, and yeah, it, it, yeah that's how I look at it. Because the, fir- the first half is joey gives the talk about the a generation of lost men etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and it's supposed to appeal to a certain a, a, a certain demographic if you will and then obviously as it escalates it just becomes fucking ridiculous someone who's bored like a bored office worker suddenly looking out after, after trying to blow up a building
0: yeah like like, that, the first uh, voiceover you get is like the longest i think i've ever seen in a film like it seemingly is never ending um I'm I'm not sure. I think hmm, I'm trying to think of the word this. Okay, do you think the message, if if they're trying to put one out there, do you think there's a stronger message in the first half or the second half of the film?
1: Well, you'd lean towards saying the second, wouldn't you? Because obviously, because it escalates and what they're trying to put out. But I think it's much for muchness, personally. Don't the message ever really changes. It's just the way it. The actual message never changed, so the way it's delivered changes. Well,
0: my, my next question for you is, what, what is the actual message of the film?
1: Well, that's, in, that's subjective, I think. I think that's any film that tries to give a message. Unless well, it...
0: what, what do you take it as?
1: I don't. When I say the message, and I, I know I've just referred to it, but I, the message that I'm supposed to, but I don't. I told you this before a million times, this is why you're... Better suited to do to, to talking about films via a podcast than I am because I just don't think about it that deeply. I don't have the mental capacity.
0: Okay, well, if this may be a better way around of doing it, so I, I've got I, various. No, I'll give
1: you. I'll give you. Like as I'm watching it, I'm not thinking about the anti-capitalist stuff or whatever else that this the the, the this lost generation about the the fucking the the trapfalls of the middle class. Yeah, which is essentially what it is, and the consumerism that the the aspirations and trapfalls of the middle class in terms of the consumerism etc. None of that shit popped into my head. I, f- okay, I thought, yeah. well, he's a dickhead with a lot of IKEA furniture. Fairly bad. Then I watched people kick fuck out of each other for a bit. That's quite a <laughs> bit fun. And then it's no, nah, come on, they're trying to blow shit up.
0: Well, the first half of the film in particular, they really drive home about masculinity and what it means to be a modern man and they talk about men that are raised solely by women.
1: Did not enter my head. That oh, did, wow. Did not enter my head. That's what I'm saying. I don't think about this shit that deep. That deep. I don't think I'm capable.
0: Oh, well, it was particularly when they're in the office and he's driving. No, no, home. you are
1: correct. But yeah. Just that thought process,
0: don't know. Because it's, it's actually not that dissimilar to Football Factory and Green Street in the sense that a large part of the message that at least the narrator is driving home is
1: that he's these he's men he's are completely
0: emasculated speech. by the lives they're living. And the only way to free themselves is by embracing, like, what it means to be a man and, like, fighting and having sex is basically <laughs> the message that he drives home for the first hour.
1: Are you telling me that Ed Norton essentially does a Tottenham away speech?
0: Exactly. Literally. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would have the time to sit down and listen to all of it because he does like going on. But they pretty much drive home that all of these people that live an ordinary life, not that they choose, that they simply choose to live this life of having to just go and like kick the shit out of each other, but that they can't possibly live without it.
1: Yeah, that that is similar to Green Street because he took the Uh, Elijah Wood's on about, isn't he? But once he realises he's not going to fall to pieces he loves it and lives on it.
0: Yeah, and then even then later in the film they look at the characters who are like Elijah Wood at the start of Green Street and I didn't expect to be having this comparison today but when they have the scene where Tyler instructs them to pick a fight with strangers Mm -hmm. like every stranger that doesn't randomly want to just fight a random man in the middle of the street is effectively sold as like a pussy in this segment. Definitely. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell is going on here? Um, you, you mentioned the cult, and that's why I think that it changes in the second half of the film. Yeah. That Durden essentially emasculates everyone else via Project Mayhem far more than, the than his office did. job and Starbucks cup did.
1: Yes, correct.
0: When he has them just basically repeating any words that he says, just cowering to his every whim
1: when they just go and stood out on the porch just getting fucking verbally abused
0: yeah it's yeah. Some, something that I, I read this week and it makes a lot of sense I know we've both said that neither of us read the books um, essentially a big thing that this author tries to drive home is that you need to remember you're solely, everything you see here is from the perspective of the narrator Ellie mm-hmm. um, not everything is necessarily true. It could be like a guy sat in a pub telling a story and one of three things could be true that he's saying. Yeah. Um, And so almost if there is any message that's being driven home, he likes to point out that this isn't the message that I'm trying to drive home. This is the message from the perspective of the narrator in this sense, Tyler Durden, whoever you want to refer to it as. So perhaps the message here is, don't listen to the message when it's coming from someone like this. Um, An interview with him when he spoke about his inspiration for writing Fight Club, Mm. he said, bookstores were full of books like the Joy Luck Club and the Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood and How to Make an American Quilt. Um, These were all novels that presented a social model for women to be together, but there was no novel that presented a new social model for men to share their lives. Really, what I was writing was just the Great Gatsby updated a little. It was an apostolic fiction where a surviving apostle tells the story of his hero. There are two men and a woman, one man, and the hero is shot to death.
1: It's a fucking very grandiose comparison, but
0: okay. Yeah.
1: If you're going to shoot, aim small, miss small, I suppose.
0: Yeah, he, he says when he was asked about the message and he does the usual thing, look, it's whatever you take from it. But he does point out that even though the cult kind of renounces consumerism in doing that, they've just become their own cult. um, And they become the very indoctrination that he was saving them from. So perhaps the message is maybe life isn't so bad and just live your own life and don't worry what other people are telling you to do.
1: (laughs) The free, the free thought part of it.
0: Yeah, and so I think that's why it must be frustrating for him, in that people are, people have twisted the text to mean something that he definitely didn't mean it to be, which I guess is what some people do with religion, and it's an argument that's gone oh. back hundreds and thousands of years. So maybe if people had misinterpreted Fight Club, that could be the least of uh, one's worries. Do you have, do you like the twist? Do you have any issue with the twist? Um, No. I know. How easy do you think it is to see when you watch it a second time around? Like, do you think it's one where if you saw this in the cinema, would you feel like an idiot for coming out and not having noticed it?
1: No. No, I don't think I would have felt like an idiot. But when you watch it again, like I said, you just, you, it's very, very easy to pick up on. But you, you have to know what you're looking for, I suppose. And that's, well, I suppose it's the same as anything.
0: Yeah. To, to point out some of the signs for when you do watch it a second time around, this was my second time watching it. Um, in the beginning, when he calls Tyler from the payphone, phone, there's, um, there's no answer. And then Tyler calls him back. If you look at the payphone, there's a big sign on top of it that says it doesn't accept incoming calls. So mm. Tyler couldn't have possibly called him back. It was all in his head. Um, also, it says
1: myself on it. Oh, nice! It says it does that a couple of times like on walls and stuff as well. And he's yeah. talking to Tyler, it just says myself, and you're. Like, oh. And like I said, um, the, the scenes with Marlowe are, are like just legitimate dead giveaways.
0: Yeah, well, the scene um when they crash the car, uh, Tyler's driving. He takes his hands off the wheel and just kind of lets it crash.
1: Yeah.
0: Tyler pulls him out of the flipped over car, but. Tyler pulls the narrator out of the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. So Tyler was clearly never there. It was Ed Norton driving the whole time. When they ride the bus together, uh, they only get charged for one fare. When someone bumps into them on the bus, they only apologise to Ed Norton and they kind of walk straight past without acknowledging uh, Tyler when that's who they bumped into.
1: Mm.
0: When they're hitting the golf balls, Tyler hits his first and hits a car then Norton's character hits a ball and hits the car, and then the alarm goes off. So if it doesn't go off the first time, then clearly no ball hit the car. Hmm.
1: No, it's not, I, didn't notice that. I didn't notice that.
0: So there, there's a lot of them, which I do think is cool. Um, yeah. when you do see it back. Um, and as we've explained it, described it before, like a wink down the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. One.
0: One of the... Not issues I had, just questions I had. So we see throughout the film that every action that he does to Tyler or Tyler does to him is him self-harming, doing that to himself, including yes. the issue to his hand. Why, when he then shoots Tyler, is he not literally committing suicide?
1: Well, he tries to, doesn't he?
0: Well, I thought just if, if he's shooting through Tyler, that would have been him kind of killing himself, but... I guess just the symbolism of being willing to do that after bowing down to his in the demons the whole time is enough I
1: don't know I don't know Um, I always thought of it as a failed suicide attempt as opposed to
0: yeah just the fact that he's able to kill kind of Tyler I thought would mean it didn't bother me too much it was just something I thought about at the time
1: Hmm. fair enough
0: The character of Marla now, I don't believe this to be the case. I believe Fincher may have come out and kind of put a stop to this previously. Some people try to argue that she is almost like the third personality, the second alter ego. Mm. Do you think that she is effectively in the film to just provide that clarity? Because really the only other person they have any kind of conversation with is his boss. So she's there as someone who's kind of in between. She's almost sympathetic and is able to provide some clarity to his character.
1: Yeah, I bet it, it's the, it just allows you to split it down the middle as well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, the most clear one is the first time when he thinks that she's slept with Tyler. Yeah. And she's kind of smiling on the way out. And then she speaks to him when he's at the table. And leaves almost like pitying him or leaves at least with a kind of frown in her face. Yeah. And then gradually you I, you see these other little things right up to where she comes to the house again and Tyler's at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. That, that time around, this is where I think the supposed what? moment of the twist isn't that moment of a twist because they've effectively laid it out for you by that point already.
1: Yeah. But it's also even in the when you know what you're looking for. The first woman, she's like, well, like when she's confused, yeah, as to like the questions that he's asking, like, "What are you doing here?" and stuff.
0: That's when you, yeah. And that. he says, uh, "Tyler isn't here anymore," and she's like, "What?"
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Uh, <laughs> a, a a question I had, and it's probably similar. Have you you haven't seen the office, have you? No. Okay. Um, in this the boss is almost kind of framed as a bad guy mm. like because he keeps getting on his case is is he really that no out of a boss like is he really being that outrageous like the guy's but, coming in with black eyes bloody noses
1: doing fuck all he's just like he does also it's a very ve- it's a veiled threat but he's also talking about shooting the office up
0: yeah and I I, I I struggle to believe he's having a good old shower at this place he's staying at before he comes to work yeah so him saying, go on, take some time for yourself, come back when you're ready, isn't that outrageous? <laughs> but that's where I guess where you see again that the whole film we're seeing is through the narrator's eyes in the way that he's painted as the bad guy because everything he's saying is is actually uh, fairly reasonable. No, exactly. Right up to when he, he's pulling the rules of Fight Club off of the photocopier, which... I don't I don't know how serious he's supposed to take that moment but considering how secretive he is for the rest of the film would he really be printing that out, that printing that out in the office I know yeah I always thought
1: that as well
0: <laughs> what what need was there to print out the rules of fight club <laughs> was there a notice board somewhere
1: yeah when the first rule is don't talk about it where's he pinning <laughs> that up but, and, I don't know.
0: Um, since I think uh, Finch has referred to it, and he says perhaps the message you should take from this is that the crazier you are in America, the more people, are, the more uh, likely people are to follow you. Mm. Um, c- could uh, the narrator here really have got that many people to to follow him in the cult that he is leading?
1: I don't know. Like like I said, the the whole I tell you what, work's not going great. <laughs> my next step is, I sort of I I like we have it in this, we we got it in this country, got it in America, like the white collar boxing shit. Like, it's sort of, like it's a similar vein. Yeah. But even if I was doing that, I don't then think if someone said just as like a bit of escapism, whatever the case might be, general, just for a bit of adrenaline, I don't then think my next escalation point is. I'm going to blow up a building. No. I don't know Me, how far you take. don't know how some of these people, I don't know how they get sucked into that. Because at some point, I'm probably going to go, bit heavy, this. No, no, thank you.
0: No, the the author says that this the spurring moment, really, that forced him to, to go out and, and write the novel was that he was actually jumped. And he said he went into work the next day with black eyes and clearly looking like there he'd been involved in some violence mm. and he said just nobody even mentioned it. People asked him how his weekend was as if nothing had happened and he realized how uncomfortable people were speaking about violence and that people would rather ignore it because asking about it means that they would they would have to listen to your problems and I think they referenced that at the start of the film, don't they where they say the reason they come to these um, kind of support groups is, the fact that they're dying is the only reason that people are willing to listen to them.
1: Yes. They, yeah. so "What say?" Says, "Um, people, rather than just waiting for their turn to
0: speak." Yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah. There are quite a lot of gems dropped in this film. Just in the, it's not quite where some people would follow it as like a bible. Um, I think there's perhaps some small points that you can draw from it. That I wouldn't say there's any one particular message that I would then get and base my life behind.
1: No, I don't. I don't believe I would.
0: So, in terms of just the film itself, did you do you enjoy the film? Do you like the film?
1: Uh, I do like. I do. I, I. I. I do like the film. I'm not a, like a lover of it. I think it's. I think it's well written. I like some of the scenes. I like the. I like some of the characters. I like some of the acting. I'm not like. I'm not over. I'm not like bouncing about it or raving about it but yes i do like the film
0: before we move on if we could just speak about ed norton and brad pitt individually if we start with brad pitt um coming off the back of meet joe black as we've said this kind of reminds people what he's all about one of the coolest roles he does it 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 feels like one of those roles that he's almost just born to go into he is just effortlessly cool in this um i don't know who the name of who it was that was doing the uh, costume because everything, everything they have him dressed in just fits the character so well when he's got the red leather jacket, and the floral shirt and the jeans just to start the film mm. just looks so cool There, the narrator obviously has that built up in his mind as someone that he he looks cool there, but he's not, dressed in any particular fashionable way which I think is so you look at what he's wearing like this guy clearly just doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks of him yeah and it must just have been I, I, I guess i just had a great time putting this together and it looks like that when you watch the film
1: yeah it does you're right
0: and then to balance him with Ed Norton it's a similar kind of uh it's a similar kind of character that he plays in, in the way that he plays it to his character in rounders. Yeah, I always Um that. it's it's almost like the same insecurity because worm in rounders almost has that fake confidence, doesn't it? Where deep down you can see that he's got kind of things eating him up. Um with this, it's almost like if, if you strip that away and gave him a desk job, then it's it's the same kind of character. He has that nervous energy about him, like he could just flip at any moment. Um, and Yeah, he, he's he's brilliant in this film. I don't think without the way he plays the character, you don't feel the same way about Brad Pitt's character because I guess you need the yin and yang, don't you, bouncing off each other?
1: Well, yeah, one, one for the twist to work and be to resonate... Obviously, as he says, Brad Pitt has to be everything that you believe Ed Norton's character wants to be.
0: Yeah. The
1: realizations are odd as well. Just as an insomni, as no, it's because he's an insomniac, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and he's this and he's that. But none of those things ever change. And yet he suddenly just realises he <laughs> makes this realisation. I someone someone tells him. Sorry to be able, to be clear, but. And then suddenly, because someone tells him all of these problems that have plagued them are suddenly gone.
0: Uh, I'll tell you, the, the thing that bothered me more than anything in, in, in the entire film is that I swear if I walked into a car park late at night and there was just some bloke battering himself, there is no, there is no wisdom that guy could ever say to get me back on board.
1: It's not even that, to be honest. I probably I don't I probably don't watch it for very long.
0: Do you even what? approach him? Nope. It's like, what, what makes you approach this guy and go, you know what? Let me listen to what this guy has to say. No, I don't approach
1: him because my first thought is, that bloke's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave that well alone because what happens if he starts trying to hit me? And I don't want that.
0: Should we ask questions, and we did it with pain and gain of the police work in this film. It feels like they have everything there to realise that this guy blew up his own flat. And yes. all they say is, let me know if you're going to leave the country. Leave
1: the town, leave the city, I think he said.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could do a bit more work here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... He asked one question, do you know anyone who might have done this? He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. All right, cool, no worries.
0: <laughs> he lays out, we think someone planted some dynamite here. Uh, anything out of the ordinary for you? <laughs> and as soon as is no, oh, well, if you're not too bothered, then I guess I won't be.
1: No. Um, again, in there, it's another little nod to the truth, isn't it, when he says, just tell him you fucking did it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, as well, but... Also, what I'd like to know is there's a no weird explanation as to how he becomes such an expert bomb maker? Or that he knows how to fuck it? He freezes, he freezes and drills out a lock.
0: The, the, the lock I can't explain. The only thing that... I perhaps could put it down to with um, the the soap making is that he actually did meet someone on the plane or whatever that was like Tyler Durden and and then he just projected everything on top of that from there moving forwards.
1: Maybe. Uh, Just odd. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's very odd.
0: Yeah. Um, Obviously this is one of several Fincher films that we're doing in this bracket. So I won't ask you to give me uh, your order or whatever for um, his films. But I mean, we've got seven next week. We've got Zodiac later in the bracket. We've got Gone Girl later in the bracket. Um, So we do have plenty of his to get into. Would this be up there for you without me... Asking you kind of your order, is he someone that you I look to it's... as a filmmaker?
1: I've only seen one of us, so I can't really say, mate. To be honest, gone girl, yeah,
0: yeah, you say you haven't seen seven. Um, you've seen the okay. social network, haven't you?
1: Yeah, that's not him though, is it? I believe it is. I thought that was the uh, it's is written by Aaron Sorkin, Oh. Directed yeah, you directed it. Uh, I have seen that, yeah. I'm not a biggest fan of it as everyone else
0: is. He did go with a dragon tattoo as well.
1: Never seen that man.
0: Uh, another one that I would rec- I would recommend is uh, Mindhunter on Netflix, which he directs as well.
1: Yeah, my brother's a big fan. I just don't know if I'll ever sit down and watch it.
0: It's part part of the issue is now if you see, like if you were to Google it, a lot of what you'd see would be questions as to whether it's going to be renewed or not, because it still hasn't been so you'd still enjoy the two seasons but you perhaps there's there's some storylines that would remain unfinished and for me that would be an issue if i was going in to start a new season of something
1: yeah i'm just looking at his filmography i've never seen benjamin button um never seen the girl with dragon sight i've seen gone girl. i've never i haven't seen mank uh I, I have looking at his tv stuff uh i've never I, I watched season one of house of cards but never finished it never seen mindhunter i don't know what love death and robots is I don't know what, what... Very highly
0: rated, but I've not seen it either.
1: I don't know what V-O-I-R is. Oh, it's about a video. It's about cinema. Oh, I might watch that. Um, I've listened to some of the songs that he directed. Yeah. Uh, the director the music video for. but So I, I don't really... He's not someone I look to, no. Okay.
0: I'm looking forward to doing Gone Girl on here. I really love that film.
1: I've uh, only ever seen it once. sort in the cinema. Yeah,
0: with Gough in australia yeah that's true there we go um shall we move on to our second film of the day yeah the working conditions are bad they're bad because the mob does the hiring and the only way we can break the mob is to stop letting them get away with murder there's a rumor that you're
1: one of the last people to see joey doyle alive who killed joey doyle I know you're getting pushed around, but there's one thing we've got in this country, and that's ways of fighting back. He wanted my philosophy of life. Do it to him before he does it to you. Swear worth tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, help you God. Right. I do. I do. You ran it on us, Terry. From where you stand, maybe, but I'm standing over here now. You're a cheap, lousy, dirty, stinking mug. You hear that? There's more to this than I thought, Charlie. I'm telling you there's
0: a lot more. Okay, on the waterfront, an ex-prize fighter to New Jersey Longshoreman struggles to stand up to his corrupt union bosses, including his older brother, as he starts to connect with the grieving sister of one of the syndicate's victims. What do you think the critics thought of this? Loved it. Although there is excellent support, notably from Lee J. Cobb and Carl Malden. Without Mr. Brando's pervasive personality, On the Waterfront could certainly not have been what it now is. The best American picture seen so far this year. That was a mouthful. On the Waterfront can be considered not only as one of the finest achievements in filmmaking, but also as Kazan's metaphor for standing up for what's right and calling out evil wherever one may find it. Marlon Brando has a rewarding assignment as in this smashing melodrama, full of the frightening sounds and sights of racket haunted docks. It will be it will surprise me very much indeed if a finer performance than Brando's is seen on the screen this year. The character grows achingly under your eyes. It will be interesting to see where his career goes next. Doesn't do too badly after, does he? Does okay. There is such a combination of toughness and tenderness, such a compellingly valid performance by Marlon Brando, that On the Waterfront becomes one of the year's very finest movies. Pulling out reviews from 54. Mm. Again, I've kind of broken it down. Um, If we start with the casting, so Sam Spiegel sent the script to Marlon Brando, and it came back with an immediate refusal. He did somewhat suspect this so what Spiegel did was he inserted kind of small pieces of paper between the pages so when he got the script back and saw they were still in place then he knew it hadn't been read at all yeah while he continued to work on Brando Frank Sinatra actually agreed to take on the role Mm. in the biography of um, Elia Kazan Richard Schickel describes how Kazan used a ploy to eventually entice Brando to do the movie. He had Carl Mulder direct a scene from the film with an up-and-coming fellow actor from the actor's studio playing the Terry Malloy lead role. They figured that Brando was so competitive that he wouldn't be uh, keen to see such a major role handed to some new screen heartthrob. The ploy worked, especially since the competition that had come was in the form of a young guy named Paul Newman, Mm. The one of the best mm-hmm. things I read about this actually was um, Thomas Handley who played uh, Malloy's kind of teenage mm-hmm. friend Tommy yeah. he was hired by the production mm-hmm. just to feed the pigeons on set um, yeah. when they got speaking to him it, his, his dad was actually a longshoreman who'd been blackballed for anti-union activities and had disappeared when he was four months old um, so Kazan and Scholberg got him to audition for the role and they actually got an angry response out of him by calling his dad a rat. Um, He was paid $500 for the role, but never acted again. He went on to become a longshoreman, and in 2002, he was elected recording secretary of his union after yet another corrupt leadership was ousted.
1: So he really uh, lived
0: that life. Yeah.
1: He knew what he was about.
0: Yeah. Some of the controversy is the wrong word um some of the actors didn't get on with brando while making this film as part of his contract he he only worked until 4 p.m every day and then he'd leave to go and see his therapist um his mum had actually recently died and he was in therapy to resolve the issues that he had with his parents so for the film's classic scene between uh rod steiger and brando in the back of the cab All of Steiger's close-ups were filmed after Brando had left for the day, and so his lines were read by one of the crew members. Um, For many years, he actually, uh, sorry, so Steiger says that he stayed during Brando's close-ups to help him put in a better performance, and he remained very bitter that Brando didn't return the favour, and he mentioned it in interviews for years after.
1: I sort of get that. Yeah, yeah. I do get that like it must be it it does make a difference who's how the lines are to, next to you are delivered and stuff. So it's I do understand that.
0: And I guess because it's probably the most famous scene in the film when he's being asked about this in interviews, when people are constantly bringing it up to him after the fact, he, he's just got that memory just hanging over his head. And he probably would have to fight it back every time to just say, well, you know what? it actually wasn't so great for me because he didn't do his part. And I probably felt I could have done better, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I suppose, I don't know. like, you can't, I mean, if has going to see a therapist and you can't really knock it. Yeah.
0: Well, he clearly wasn't in a great place at the time. He said that on the first day when he was showed the completed picture in a screening room, he says, I was so depressed by my performance. I got up and left. I thought I was a huge failure, and I walked out without a word to the director. I was simply embarrassed for myself.
1: I don't know if, I don't know if he speaks to a mental state or if that's just the standards he sets for himself. That There's no way I could watch this film and think that's a failure.
0: No, now, I, I don't know too much about what he was like as a character. I obviously know the kind of stories that you hear of him. I don't know if the praise that he received once the film had been released went any way to kind of vindicate in his performance or if it was one of them where just nobody could tell him any different
1: oh, no idea mate to be honest no idea.
0: Weird.
1: interesting i mean he wins an academy award at the end of the yeah, yeah. This, this thing this film mops up
0: yeah i mean if, if you'd ever wondered the reason there are blinds in the back of the cab is that the uh, production manager forgot to pay for rear projection equipment so they could have nothing out the back of uh, the cab setting, and so they just had to pull the blinds in, kind of hope no one ever mentioned it.
1: Never even clogged it.
0: <laughs> I, I saw the trivia before seeing the scene, so it was in my head, um, but no, I probably wouldn't have thought much of it. I thought it was because... That,
1: that scene is... <clears throat> I'm not exaggerating when I say that that scene is one of my favourite scenes in cinema.
0: I thought I thought it was because uh, of the kind of conversation they're having that they were kind of protecting themselves, and that would be why the blinds were drawn. But so they probably didn't need to say anything.
1: Not kidding. One of my favorite scenes in cinema. I think about it quite a lot. I quite often find myself saying, "Not not my night, Charlie." I only ever to myself though, because <laughs> I feel like it's not a quote that I could spin on anyone, and they would know what I was talking about.
0: Hey, look, you can say it to me now. You've got that. Uh... That door's been opened. Hmm. In the aftermath of the film, so Edie Doyle, who probably would have been classed as a lead in cinema terms, was nominated for best supporting actress. The director said by pushing her in that direction, it ensured she would get a nomination. Um, it worked and she did win the Oscar. Good. This one for like,
1: this one for all sorts of shit. I think it Best director, best actor, best supporting actress. I think it won um I might be wrong, but I swear what I read before it won like um it won something for cinematography as
0: well. I, I do have a point on that, but I guess I can say it now. Um, I thought one of the best things that the film did was when Terry is talking to Edie as they kind of walk through the dock and he's telling her what he did with regards to her brother. Like they, they have the long shot of, of them walking together and you have the sounds of the dock that cover their conversation.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't know if they tried filming it a different way and they couldn't get what the director wanted, but I feel it would be very tough to do that scene justice. And perhaps if Brando wasn't in the right mind state or if they just tried this once and it worked, you don't really need to hear that conversation all you really need to see is the reaction because you know what he's telling her you know there's only one way she can react yeah so it's quite a clever way to do it
1: yeah it is yeah like I do think it's shot well I think the performances are are brilliant um I don't I like it's I don't know it's a film I've always quite liked um sold to me as a mob film and I know it is
0: yeah well, I'm going to ask you about that in a moment.
1: Actually, it is, ult- it is ultimately, but it's not, is it? If, it? if that makes sense.
0: Well, it's it's certainly a different angle.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a nice way. That's a good way of putting it. The mob thought... are there, and obviously, is involved, and his brother, etc. But it's not. It's not a good fellas, is it? No. So it's
0: I not
1: thought... the Godfather. It's not Donnie Brasco, etc., etc. The
0: it's the contrast of what we've just said when you have the scene where they don't give you dialogue between uh, Terry and Edie the fact that what like five minutes later you have him in the back of the cab with his brother and mm-hmm. you've got no real backing noise you've literally just got it so you know that the, the cab's moving and you hear every word there and so just to contrast the two immediately you don't need to hear what one says to get the emotion out of it and then the other time they almost use the silence as a soundtrack and you get all of the power out of it by the close-ups, the eye contact, um, the fact that you know they're brothers, um, the turning of the character is essentially he's going against the mob in that moment. And so you get just as much drama by doing it in the complete opposite fashion.
1: I'll tell you what, that media study qualification didn't go to waste on you, did it?
0: Well, it, it hasn't yeah. earned me uh, anything else, but no, it's good good subject to do. Well...
1: I listen to you sometimes. It does earn you my respect, or for whatever that's worth it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um,
0: I have only one gripe with the whole film. Mm-hmm. For all the talk of Terry's boxing, <laughs> he's getting pieced up by Friendly. Wow. He turns it around late, but it, it shouldn't have been a close fight. Look, Friendly's out of his prime. Terry, he's, he's, bang, he's banging his he's got the weight on I'm sure he's got he's got the power advantage he should be ducking and moving
1: So he's out of shape isn't he?
0: yeah well, I mean his opposition isn't isn't yeah. stacked no I I understand
1: that but it's this it, it represents a power dynamic doesn't it and then yeah. he's and-
0: he's loving them body shots where the sound the sound guy just it's like he's Charlie Sloth on a fire in the booth. He's just bashing that button, whether it's a headshot, a body shot, whatever it is. You know, psh, psh, psh. Yeah, fair.
1: They still they don't. They don't still do fire in the booth, do
0: they? Uh, they do, but it's not on. Uh, well, it's not on one extra anymore, and it gets about a quarter of the views. They they start getting a lot more parody people on there. So, yeah, not not the same. Just just the same in name. Okay. Um no more Westwood Freestyles coming anymore either. Send him to the docks. Um
1: not a fan of of, of Tim,
0: i know. Have you have you seen the news recently? No. You've not? No. Oh yeah, multiple people have come out and says that he likes sexually abused them from about ninety seven onwards. Oh. Yeah. Probably the least surprising accusations you would ever hear, but there's plenty of allegations against him.
1: Oh no, no, I didn't know that.
0: I thought that's why you laughed when I said no more Westwoods.
1: No, oh, I just laughed because you randomly chuckled Tim Westwood. in that. No, I no,
0: know. I was I was going topical, but um,
1: oh, I haven't thought about Tim Westwood in a very very long time.
0: Too much grafting.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay, several more questions with this film. For all of the reasoning that Terry gives throughout the film, is Edie a little too forgiving? Yep. Like, he he's not stupid. He knows what the mob do, to the, to the point where his brother can come to his dressing room and say, it's not your night. And he knows exactly what that means. So mm-hmm. when he says to someone, I thought he was just going to meet someone on the roof for a chat, I'm not buying it. No, very
1: fair. There is an element that it should be Vendetta like the Godfather. No time, time can pass, but you, you're still getting it.
0: Yeah, like if she was playing the long game, then fair. But even the dad, even the dad doesn't seem to hold it against him. Nope. His grand revenge, he, he's chucking the bloke that killed his son... In the dock, and that's and then he, he walks off. He's getting plaudits from his boys, <laughs> and it's like okay, that's that's me sorted. We're even now.
1: Well, uh, I think they know that he's going. They 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 know obviously he's been indicted at that point. He? And he is running away, so they do like the indictment. Too, is already come down to that point. No? But yeah, so yeah. I get your point. But in reality, you it's, it's it's probably symbolic. You know, you know the big man's going to jail.
0: Yeah. When they come up with the name Friendly for that. the villain of the piece, what do you reckon? Friday afternoon, 4.30? So what can I, we call it?
1: I knew you were going to reference it. <laughs> I, I I just knew you would. Um, yeah, it's... it's
0: not, 4.45 on a Friday.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it has clocking off time. Up.
0: I quite like it, to be fair, but it, it, it would work better if the film was a bit cheesier. Yeah. Like, like that that feels like that's where you would get that kind of name in this.
1: Yeah, I get what you're
0: saying. Like it's one step up from uh like his name being like Johnny Crooked and it's like, Oh, we didn't know he was gonna be a gangster. Johnny Crooked. The priest in this case. Yeah. Bit pushy, no, when it's uh it's not his ass on the line. He's a priest. That's what I'm supposed to do. It, it's it's what they're supposed to do in some sense. I mean, there aren't many priests that get involved in mob warfare. To be to be honest, you don't know that. No, I'm I'm assuming
1: there were priests involved with certain terrorist organizations.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair point. Um, On your view, I just think it's it's easy for him to say do the right thing when it's not him having to do the right thing.
1: Correct, but that is literally what a priest does.
0: Like that, I that, think,
1: if you want to phrase it like that, that is actually what a priest is there to do.
0: I think he thought he was impressing Edie and he thought, I might have a shot here. He gets Terry behind bars. He's in.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure of breaking the I don't know if he's going to break the vow of celibacy, but.
0: Like the, like, <laughs> like the one in Sopranos. He's loving it, loving a bit of Carmella.
1: I haven't seen enough
0: of this final It's like season one.
1: You're letting me down. I keep mate, I'll keep meaning to watch it, I'll keep meaning to watch it, and I'll just I've seen a lot of little clips, a little free mix. Yeah. Little...
0: Harper kinda of forced himself through for the first two and then he's just ripped through it now, so I get constant updates from him.
1: It's just finding the time, mate, to be honest. Slow. Yeah.
0: It's I, I will say and I say this to everyone that I try and get to watch it. Um it's an easier watch than you expect like it has kind of the makings of being a like Okay. I need to sit, watch this hundred percent concentration, but it's a fairly easy watch for what it is, but I do still take your point.
1: The the thing is, I can't understand how I, how I don't love it. I'm not saying I won't.
0: I think you will once, once you just need um, Like you had it with the wire, didn't you? I know you uh, were off with COVID at the time, I believe. Um, but once it kind of clicked for you, you were you were in with it, weren't you?
1: Still only three seasons through that.
0: I'm still just about one.
1: But I do really read like it. First series is fantastic. Second series that's quite long short actually.
0: So I was reading some praise and some criticism of this uh, film again, and one of the things that someone referenced, and I, I don't know whether I agree they say that Brando looks better in this film and his acting looks better than it has previously because they feel that his character is one of the only ones with depth in the film. To what extent do you believe that to be true? Now, obviously, as the main character, you're going to have a bit more, but do you think the other characters are reduced to give his character more, or do you think that's not the case? He just does more with the role.
1: No, some definitely are. Like Johnny uh, Friendly, definitely is. He's just—I
0: don't know—that's a pantomime but, bad guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's almost almost sort of cliche, but yeah, pantomime's a good word. The priest is just there to move the story on and to be the priest. Ed gets played for a bit of a fool, um, to be honest. But and then his his brothers, yeah, he's, his brother's so good in this one. Um, but there's not a lot of depth there, is there? Until the, the end. I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad guy. I actually let you, my brother, Once I to get away. What, 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 there, there, is a, there is an element. There, there is an element of that.
0: What do you think of the scene where Terry finally makes his move? Because if we break it down, not a great yeah. look for him
1: when he basically fucking bursts through the door.
0: He kicks her door down. She yeah. says, stay the hell away from me to the, until he pins her up against the wall. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a different scene, that, in 2022.
0: Yeah, it's, it's never going to be... Um, what was it? Um, it was Skyfall, wasn't it? Where she's just had, like, a 10-minute scene laying out how she's been assaulted and she's had yeah. a horrible life, and then James Bond sneaks in her shower.
1: Yes. Or Spectre, where... I'm the one who killed your husband, or you know, I killed your husband. Ooh, let's get it
0: on. Yeah, this 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 isn't a great look for Old Terrier.
1: No, it's not. No, there are certain things of it, not just the black and white, but there are certain things that are always going to date this film. But yeah, it, yeah, it's not it's not a great look. But look, uh, they seem they seem happy.
0: The thing that uh, dated the film most for me was uh, the kind of fight scene uh, coming out of the church. Mm. Where you don't see a lot, but you just kind of have. Um, or to be fair, the fight scenes in general, I think. Um, yeah, they, they were they're not as professional as they are now, so you kind of see the pulling of the punches and it's a bit slower. But I think you kind of appreciate that because you, you, you know you you, 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 did, you know it. You did what you're you expecting asked like John Wick violence here.
1: No, of course you're not, because you just don't. You're just not a, You weren't able to do it. No, exactly.
0: Um, shall we go on to our judging? Yeah. have a quick look. Uh, doo, 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 doo. I feel like we're going to be criminally opposite here. I, I don't I don't know. No, no, you
1: know. no. That's just a feeling, but we'll, we'll find out. All
0: right, so which film did you prefer? On the Waterfront. Okay, I, I did prefer Fight Club. <laughs> Which film do you think is more rewatchable? Also on the waterfront. Uh, I, th- I think Fight Club as well. I knew you would. What do you think is the best moment slash scene?
1: It's the moment in the, it's the speech. In the, it's the conversation in the it's
0: Okay, I think it's the introduction of Fight Club, where you hear the rules for the first time. Quite disappointed going back that I didn't open with the first rule about movie madness, but we live and we learn.
1: I understand you saying that, but for anyone listening, please do talk about movie
0: madness. (laughs) Yeah, record. That essentially was how it works in Fight Club. To be fair, telling people not to talk about it meant that everyone did go and talk about it to the point where they've got a nationwide cult. Of course,
1: it's the same with anything like that. You tell someone not to do something, what do they want to do? They want to go and do it.
0: What do you think is the best quote?
1: I could have been somebody, a contender. I could have had class instead of a bum, which is what I am now.
0: He is a bum, to be fair. Throw in that fight. This I kept was... him up. We were dancing. We were dancing for half a round.
1: Not my night, Charlie. Not my. Oh man, I see it's so so good. You made oh, some. had some money, boy. You saw some money at the back end. <laughs> oh man, it's just so good. It's him.
0: I think it's uh, first rule about Fight Club. I think that's a nailed on one there.
1: No, I genuinely. Brando in that is. Oh, it's just it's superb. MVP. Name? Uh, MVP is totally. Uh, yeah. So I, how would you split the MVP?
0: I, I would give it to the narrator because he's the yeah. one that ultimately fulfills his plan
1: Terry gets to fulfill his plan walks into the wear race he's got the bird. look
0: I'm not to... sure we're giving him credit there to be honest now he has just been kicked in I know I, I understand that I'm not giving you too much of a victory for falling over the finish line in a fight that you should have won comfortably
1: but he gets there he gets the job done sometimes it's not about the journey it's just about the destination
0: it is and for the narrator he gets journey, destination, and he it takes everyone's to... debt away from them.
1: He does have to shoot shoot himself. <laughs> yeah. But so, I'm not sure it... I'm not too sure on destination. No, but he does also want to stop his own plan.
0: And then he, he he's content and he's happy at the end. He's smiling. If we were going by traditional film terms, and this definitely isn't the traditional film, um, fulfilling your plan and getting the girl would be like the two biggest ticks you can have. And he does pull both of those off. So does Terry. Mm, yeah, I think he it's does it in more best, spectacular best fashion.
1: Terry does it. You're not about him getting. You're not about him getting kicked out. Of. Ed Norton has a bullet wound in his face.
0: Now. But he also alleviates the world, uh, alleviates the nation of debt.
1: Terry Ritz, Ritz, new uh, a longshore union of a mob boss.
0: I think I, I'm not sure the henchmen go down as easy as that, but I do appreciate what he does. I do think it's the, I do
1: think it's Tyler Durden for the record. But I was just making the point.
0: I get you. Um, best side character,
1: Charlie, followed closely
0: by Marlon. I'm probably going for the priest because he does get all of this done. <laughs> Another thing I wrote down about him, actually, is um, when he's saying, you may as well tell her now, aren't you? Like it's, he's accident he's accidentally kissed someone on a night out, but he's been like, honestly, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Not, I'm the one that facilitated the death of your brother. Look, he's
1: right. you you got to tell him. Yeah, but
0: he says it like, go on, go on. I know what you said. Um, better character development. I think it's Fight Club for this one.
1: Specific? Well, it's only a specific character,
0: or? I mean, In the film in general. I think it could be, whoever you want to call it, the narrator, or whatever. Um, in the way it affects, they develop the split personality, building up to the twist. Um, so that would be. I think the, t- the development in on the waterfront probably there's less to it I would say and it's a shorter development to make like within the first 15 minutes he already feels guilty so it's effectively it's, it's, owning up to his guilt after that
1: The stakes are a little bit lower than I suppose but, um, No I would agree it would be quite fun
0: Most dramatic scene,
1: probably the end of *Fallout*, where the world's fucking burning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to go for the reveal. If not,
1: the reveal. Yeah, no, no, actually, it's the end in terms of drama. He shoots himself. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: After, uh, probably the most I cringed more in the entire film was him chucking himself down them stairs. I felt like I could feel that.
1: Launching himself through the um, the table.
0: Yeah. What came to me? what. Um, best soundtrack. Eh. It's probably Fight Club for me. Now I don't know if I'm about to offend you here. David Fincher reached out to Radiohead and asked them to do the soundtrack for the film. And I assumed you'd be a Radiohead fan.
1: Never really listened to him, to be honest.
0: Okay, you haven't taken offence, at least. We haven't said anything well no i thought you might be offended by me saying you were a radiohead fan oh I,
1: no I, no, I, no i don't he, know
0: the guy was coming off the back of what's it called um is it okay computer whatever the one it's okay something um basically the, he'd just done an album and he was like no i'm too burnt out so can't
1: no, do I mean, it i couldn't t- i couldn't name your radiohead song
0: all right well that's that's the story um i didn't consider it worthy enough to note it down in the actual trivia but it just came to me then um, I'll go Fight Club.
1: Um, on the waterfront, it's more of a score, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: It is scored very well. I actually think it won... Nominated for an Oscar?
0: Not clear Maybe. Yeah.
1: I'll
0: look.
1: Um, i might be wrong. I'll have a quick look. Okay. Uh, it
0: was okay. Computer by Radiohead. I was right.
1: No, no, it wasn't on Armageddon for, for 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 anything for soundtrack. Um, I will say Fire Club.
0: Originality.
1: Fire Club. Agreed.
0: Uh, bigger impact.
1: You're going to disagree with this. I am. They on the waterfront.
0: Okay, I say Fire Club there
1: for reasons. The reasons I I number one. One has been inducted into the Library of Congress uh, for culturally for being a culturally, excuse me, a culturally significant film. Nice. One is also one at one is, like movie quotes. Um, the American Film Institute. This is this is legitimate. It is in it's in the AFI's one hundred years one hundred movies. It's number eight. Terry Malloy makes number 23 in the AFI 100 Years Heroes and Villains. Terry Malloy's speech is in the the 100 Years 100 Best Movie Quotes.
0: So is Fight Club's in that as well?
1: I don't think it's number three, though, is it?
0: No, no. I'm just, it's on the list.
1: Thank you. It's score is actually in there as well, at number 22. Um. Yeah, and it actually managed to, it did drop down at the 10th anniversary of the uh the 100 movers, but that's what I would say.
0: Best opening scene?
1: Um. Hmm. Best opening scene, what's your pit.
0: So Fight Club is the kind of, you're probably wondering where I got here equivalent on yeah. the waterfront, is the, well I guess it's him coming off the roof, I'd probably go with on the waterfront to be fair.
1: I think I'd lean towards it, to be honest, but I wasn't sure, I was thinking about the Gun in mouth, how it starts, but yeah, I, I, I take your piss. on the waterfront,
0: rustling a bit there, just so you know. My apologies. Um, best ending.
1: Uh, I think it probably go. I do like. I do actually like the ending of on the waterfront. I really do. Um, but with everything that happens, you probably lean towards Fight Club, don't you?
0: Um, and finally, best chemistry.
1: It's Fight Club, mate. Agreed. Although the bit that fucking cringed me at the end of Fight Club was when he's like, yeah, just caught me at a bad time in my life. <laughs> Fuck me off, I'll be honest. I'm sh- so dead.
0: That's one where um, they've definitely envisaged, like, some kind of catchphrase, like, they yeah. think that's going to be the kind of...
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it turned out to be num- rule number uh, yeah, raw one. Yeah, rule one.
0: One. 7-2, the final score. Yeah, a few draws in there. Yeah, there's four to start, five total. Yeah. So that goes through to the next round. And then next week, we have seven up against Beverly Hills Cop.
1: I've never seen Beverly. I've never seen either of those films, to be
0: honest. I've seen seven. I've not seen uh, Beverly Hills Cop. so uh...
1: Very totally different.
0: Yeah, there we go. Uh, Sean claims he's going to be here next week i'll believe it when i see it so uh he claims he's going to be here the next two weeks keenan if you can believe that what have we got the week after mate <coughs> uh, that is i'm gonna say fast five italian job Ooh. interesting
1: for the full clarification i think i know the answer but we are doing the original italian job right
0: yeah yeah thank the lord yeah, next three weeks. Beverly Hills Cop versus seven. Italian Job vs Fast Five. Ocean's Eleven versus Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, I love Ocean's Eleven. And I've never seen it, so that'll be my first
1: time. Have you never seen 2001 Ocean's Eleven? No.
0: I no. assume we're doing the George Clooney one, not the Sinatra yeah. one. Yeah. All right, well, let's close it there. Thank you for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.